Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. We are your morning show for any hour, just keeping you updated on the news, but not freaking you out, man. Not that. Let's keep it chill. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon, as always. Vic, how's it going? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's going just fine. I managed to survive St. Patrick's Day. There you go. That's good. Vic Fest and St. Patrick's Day really close to each other. It is too close for comfort. It's like you have to train like an Olympic athlete for this season of your life. It it is. And and then, of course, I have my blood test at the end of this week because I successfully pushed it back. So I've been very... Very good. I'm so lightheaded. I don't know if I'll even get through the show. Oh my god! But ha- had had a had a lovely time. I do not like going. Actually, I've done it, but I don't like going to Irish pubs on St. Patrick's Understandable. Day. Understandable. It is yeah. too messy. I remember back in the day, I would walk up Connecticut Avenue, and I would see outside of the Four P's, they would start lining up the porta potties. I'm like, do I really want to go through this experience again? Yeah. You know and and in fact, I'd much rather go the day before, the day after, and have a nice, chill time. It's too crazy. So what I ended up doing, though, is we had a couple things we needed to do on Friday night. But before we got to that, Kate and I snuck into my local Knights of Columbus, where they were doing their own St. Patrick's Day-themed night. Nice. And got a couple pints of Guinness, Guinness in there, and there was a band setting up, and it was just perfect. And then my father-in-law showed up because he didn't want to miss out on that. And so it was a very nice time, but it was very tame. And again, we had other things to do that evening. So that was it. And then on Saturday, had a lovely dinner at Mike Warren's house. Nice. Our friend Mike Warren, now of the Sub Beacon. Yes. And now father and of three was, as well. And a father. Well, that was one of the reasons they asked Kate and me to be their god, his the godparents. Oh, how nice. So, I did tell Mike, it was an honor and a privilege, and I did tell Mike, I warned him, I did write about this once, about how I have a lot of godchildren. I've been a, a pretty lousy deadbeat okay. godfather. And in fact- <laughs> Deadbeat goddad. The, the, <laughs> the name of the piece, the, the name of the column, it was a casual in the standard I wrote about, this was called Children of a Lesser Godfather. <laughs> but I told him, I'm turning around. I'm turning my life around beginning now. You know what? If you beginning if you need them to know how to order at the palm, this is this is the godfather for that's them. A, I that's the kind of advice I'm ready to give his son. So we're very excited for that. And I'll tell you what else was really kind of cool. This sounds silly, but afterwards, you know, we're just hanging out and chatting the, the adults. Uh uh and Mike has a a turntable. Mm-hmm. And and it's actually connected to like physically connected to little Bose speakers. Okay. It is a huge difference than these new turntables that are connected by Bluetooth. Oh, that makes sense. You know, Wi-Fi speakers. The sound is, I got to do it. I got to do it. It's so much richer. I love an old turntable. Love it. Oh my gosh. The sound is so, especially because it's, I, I said it was quadraphonic, but I mean, it comes out from different speakers, the different instruments, depending on the special we were listening to, Abbey Road. And it's, you know, and Paul's bass line, his riffs, and, and then the, on side B, because you have to <laughs> flip it over, yes. you know, there's the guitar solos at the end. And it's, you know, and they're all taking turns with their, it's amazing. It is really, really quite something I, I can't recommend it enough. And it was kind of silly, but there were, you know, two, as Kate and Mike's lovely wife, Melissa, were noticing there are two grown men getting into the grooving, grooving to, <laughs> to, 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 the, to Abbey Road. 
and talking about the Beatles, and it was so silly, but I couldn't get no, it. No, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. My dad used to play a lot of Beatles on the guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is the great, the great, you're a great prop. I'm continuing to practice. I, in fact, learned to play Let It Be this week because I added a chord. Look at me. Speaking of the Beatles. <laughs> and I thought, so you're up to I thought that was a good one. To, to have under my belt. I'm a Beatles fan. I enjoyed I oh my gosh, talking to Warren great, about I the Beatles. He knows so much. Yes. He knows a ton. Yeah. So you're playing it now. That's I know this is it's wonderful. such a tease because I'm not good enough to perform yet, but I have been learning and I have been practicing and I'm coming along. And honestly, this is as far as I've ever gotten in my guitar journey. So thank Tony, my cult leader, because something is clicking this time. Don't 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 quit now. <laughs> I gotta Whatever tell you, you do, don't quit now. Very fun. Very fun. And one of the reasons I did it is because in my old age, as I'm coming off my fourth kid, you know, your brain kind of rewires a little bit when you have kids, particularly yeah. moms. It'll just, it does something to your brain. And so while it's doing something to my brain of unknown results at the moment, I thought it's always good to exercise your brain in different ways. So at, oh, the, 100%. the musical stuff uses different parts of your brain and I haven't used them in a long time. And it's been really fun. And it's nice to it's nice to remember from piano or clarinet how that muscle memory just, it locks in. And it's very cool how suddenly, oh, I can just make this chord. It's not, it's not a thing anymore. Yes. And you could feel suddenly this other part of your brain working. Yeah. It's hard to explain. But for example, I spend a full day here in the office and I'm editing and I'm writing and doing any, every, that, that sort of stuff. And then you come home. And then you try to read sheet music and play a song or whatever. It's a whole different part and it's refreshing. It, I, but I feel the same way about cooking. Yeah. I often, I've, cooking is more meditative. It doesn't require as much. It's more relaxing. Whereas you have to work. How are your fingers? They're all right. A little painful, but a little not- blistery, getting blistery? Not blistery, but they're definitely, you mm -hmm. can tell, especially the, the middle and index finger have a little something, something brewing here. So- that's gonna so happen. I'll, I'll, but that's I'll a good. That's there. a sign. That's a sign that the lessons are working. Yes. Yes. So I've been doing that. Um, we had. What else? Are you we up had for? a Friday night again, as as yours, very tame St. Patrick's Day with yes. the McCormicks because you know. Oh yes. We're honoring. He told me. We're honoring the Irish folks by going out with the McCormicks. Yes, I thought we must go. That's out. what we're doing. We're with we're with the Warrens or with the McCormicks. <laughs> Let's go yeah. out with the McCormicks. I am neither Irish nor Catholic, which is confusing and disappointing to everyone around this time of year because I am uh, ham is ham is just strictly English. Yeah, and also just like uh, I think it's I think it might be German. I know you're a fan. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. German. Ha no, we're, ham is we're ham, German, I've seen French, ham in German. Welsh yeah, yeah. on my mom's side, mm -hmm. not Irish, and I am dark-haired with pale skin and almost green eyes, and my name is Mary Catherine. So around Ash Wednesday, everyone's like, "Well, guess she didn't make it to mass," and I'm like, "Look." <laughs> I'm innocent, guys. I uh... that 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 throw that throws pe that th will that will throw people. <laughs> it off. will. It's like something. Every now and then, I'll come across a Filipino who is not Catholic, and it's weird, <laughs> you know. And I'm not even talk. I'm not talking about Muslim, which is a very sizable chunk of the Southern Philippines. But like in the Central Philippines, they're like, oh, we're like Presbyterian. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? A friend of mine once. I don't know if she actually went through with it, but she was. Her family was of Polish descent. She was Catholic in Georgia, and there was a Coca-Cola scholarship that required you to be a minority and she's like you think i could manage it <laughs> and, oh, as, as a polish as a, catholic as a catholic in the south oh, yes in georgia yes 100 yeah. percent. 
Anyways, so yeah, that's been going on. Oh, and I want to give you a preview for your for your blood tests. Oh, yes. I I've been I've been getting red pilled on some nutrition knowledge. Lately. Oh yeah, you know, well, well I need you it. You know, on nutrition, I'm just generally a skeptic of anything that comes out of government and the public health sector and the mainstream yeah. because I think they've been wrong about so many things about fat being yes, bad for you course. and yes, and yes, eggs causing course. heart attacks and yeah, the, butter. the nature of cholesterol and butter and mm-hmm. all these things. Yeah, meat. And the fact that you should base your entire diet on a huge bottom of the period pyramid of just a bunch of carbs. Yeah. So I've been reading a book called Glucose, The Glucose Revolution. And it suggests Yes, yes, you mentioned. Yeah, it suggests that if you tame your glucose spikes, yes. that you can handle a lot of not great food as long as you're buffering it with other foods which keep the spikes spikes. The spikes, the spikes. are the problem, not necessarily yes. the food. And that yes. those cause inflammation and all sorts of other problems. Anyway, don't fact check. Look, I'm not a scientist. Don't come for me to, for advice, guys. But I what? do think it's an interesting theory. And the suggestion is that other diets, to the extent that they work, something like keto, carb-free, it's because mm-hmm. they're taking mm-hmm. out the foods that cause those spikes. Okay. You, well, you got to help so me out here. I will, what, what do I have to... What do, What's, well, the, the, what's causing let me, my spikes? Let me, let me tell you the main hack that she suggests. Uh-huh. And, and mm-hmm. she's done, she wears a, a glucose monitor so she can look at her own diet and figure out what makes yes. her spike and what makes her not. The main hack is, and this is like not exactly rocket science, eat a salad or green vegetable before your carbs. So the order of okay. your meal would be veggies, fats and proteins, then carbs, because and I'm not going to get into the... Carbs at the end. So yeah. like bread basket, right. beware. No, we don't want to do bread basket at the beginning, but it does make you spike and then hungry again, which is what the restaurant wants, man. I, um, you mean if you eat the carbs first? Yes. <laughs> so veggies, fats and proteins, then carbs. And I'm not going to get into the whole exact science of it, but basically it slows down the highway to your bloodstream, right? Because the roughage is harder to deal with. You know what? I'm going to do this. Get ready, Mary Catherine. I have to take a coworker out on Friday after my blood test. Right. I'm going to the Palm. I will <laughs> hold on. I will start with a salad. Okay. Let's say I start with uh, like a, a Caesar salad right. with extra anchovies the way I like it because that's also good for you. And followed by meat. Oh, no, not meat. It's Friday. Oh, no. That's it's okay. Protein, sort of protein and Fried fat. shrimp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, shrimp. Okay, okay. And then. Carbs Just don't don't that. do like the bread before no. the salad. Okay, and so no bread. Yeah. I'm not going to have any bread, and I'm just going to go right into salad and then the main course. Also, have them bring your salad with your drink so you can cushion that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. How does the alcohol play into this? I That's mean, I'm I pr- I'm pretty sure I'll, it's the mixers that are the problem, actually. <laughs> oh, good. I don't use it. Okay, for then vermouth, straight, I'm you're, I think you're okay. Any... I think you're okay. Yes. Anyway. Yes. I'm feeling better what already. I'm, what Thank I'm you. devising, actually, is Vicks and my dream diet, which means <laughs> as long as you eat everything in the right order, you don't have to give up anything. <laughs> the getting hammered diet. It's going to be a huge bestseller. Oh my gosh. We've got a lot of work ahead of us to, re- to lead this revolution. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about the news? Uh, let's do it. Speaking of revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump calling for widespread protests from his truth social. So I'm not sure how widespread the message is, except that the media picks it up and runs with it. From his truth social asking for protests against the idea that he might be indicted this week. We don't know for sure what's happening. By the time you listen to this, we might know more. 
But the suggestion was that the New York DA's office was prepared to indict him for a felony and that and Trump himself thought he would be arrested Tuesday. Now, we don't know about this whole arrest mm-hmm. part of it. And he's since walked that back a bit. But well, we're in a frenzy, know we're in a frenzy TV, over let, here. Let me know on the TV screen behind me if it happens. <laughs> OK, <laughs> because you're yeah. you're so dedicated to this podcast. He doesn't even have one eye on that I can't, on that TV. I can't. Yeah, my eyes are on the screen. Here. OK. <laughs> So what 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 are you what are, what do you thought is it okay, happening so, and should it happen why shouldn't it happen So we go back to my same philosophy about the about the raid on Mar-a-Lago which is and look it's a cliche for a reason if you come for the king you best not miss mm-hmm. And this is a situation where I think you need to have a really open and shut case that no one's going to quibble with that no one wants to plea deal on that everyone agrees is just like black and white, done and done. And that is not what we have here. Even the New York Times calls the case, quote, the case against the former president hinges on an untested and therefore risky legal theory involving a complex interplay of laws, all amounting to a low-level felony. If Mr. Trump were ultimately convicted, he would face a maximum sentence of four years, though prison time would not be mandatory. There's also some... some like finessing going on here with the statute of limitations, which doesn't sound great to me. And I would also like to stipulate that, of course, Trump did bad things and some of them might even be illegal. But it seems to me, as it always has, that this particular thing does not rise to this, but maybe a fine in an in a normal situation. It would be a finable offense would be my guess. Yeah. There was something almost biblical about Trump's announcement and prediction on Truth Social. I hate to go here, but I'm going to say it. It was like, it was like, the, it, it, in, when I when I first heard the news, it was like he was saying, you know, before Tuesday night is over, I will be arrested. Oh gosh! You know, one of one of you here at Trump Tower shall betray me. The you question know? is, it's whose like, ears getting cut off? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And 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 it, did 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 Kellyanne? Did she cut the ear oh off? Gosh. Right? She was so angry defending. She was cutting it off. My son made that joke, but it's like it's like agony in the garden of Mar-a-Lago or something. So I don't I mean, is Trump right now in Florida? Yes, I believe so. And yes, this. okay. so this all stems from the Stormy Daniels story of ages ago. We should explain. It began with an encounter with with an adult film star, Stormy Daniels, way back in 2006, I believe, was the date of the actual alleged sexual encounter. Has that been confirmed? I think like we all assume that's true. Yeah, he still denies okay. it. He still denies it. Anyway, but I think it's everyone. Basically, it's everybody thinks this okay? happened. Okay, so we do. We do. We're all on the same page about that. And then when he was running for president, a couple of women came forward with allegations that he had had extramarital right. affairs with them. This is in addition to sexual harassment and other other things. This was con- a consensual encounter, but they wanted to come forward. Stormy Daniels was approached by. Trump's people to essentially pay her off to say, like, yep. just just keep this quiet yeah. to the tune of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars that went through his old lawyer, Michael Cohen, who you remember from all the drama of mm-hmm. the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Judas, the yes, Judas of the who Trump later turned on him and was subsequently convicted for some part of this drama. Yeah. I, yeah. He is a felon. Yes. Himself. So so Michael Co- goes through Michael Cohen to pay her to keep quiet about this. And then after the payoff, she has Michael Avenatti as her lawyer, the TV famous and now jailed 
yeah. imprisoned Michael Avenatti on several other felonies. For bilking, for, for, for bilking Stormy yes. Daniels. And I don't mean that in any <laughs> euphemistic way. I mean that he actually took her book proceeds, her royalties. It's really, really a his, rogues yeah. gallery here. It is. So that's a she real has, big problem. She has Avenatti as a, as a lawyer who, for all his faults, is great at being famous and on TV. And yeah. he commanded much attention, was on TV far more than some, I don't know, say, than employees of CNN talking <laughs> about her case against Donald Trump. Yeah. So at that time, I argued on CNN and other places, and I, I stick to this. I think he did it. I think it's wrong and possibly illegal. But the kind of illegal it is, is basically a sort of, it's a very tawdry, but a low mm -hmm. amount of money, low level FEC violation. Yeah, that's right. So it, that yeah. seems to me like, it's not that I'm discounting it. It's just that it's not what this indictment, if it comes, is alleging it is. And I think they're trying to shoehorn it so badly. Coyote and Roadrunner, once again. One, Yeah, once again. And I think they'll fail to get... Again, you, you mentioned the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Wasn't that supposed to turn up the documents that said, we got him now? Yeah. The nuclear secret said, he, now he's got to go. We got to arrest him now. And then we're going to reveal, you know, his ta tax records are going to be revealed. And wait till you see what's in it. How many times have we and been this, through this, Vic? This goes back to, you were mentioning Michael Cohen on TV. And I remember him on, you know, MSNBC. Cohen or Avenatti? Because both of them are. Uh, Cohen, okay. Cohen. I was thinking about Cohen because he claimed that, you know, there, were, there was a rumor that he has on record. He had recorded a conversation where Trump uses the N-word. Oh, yeah. And Nicole Wallace was so excited about this, and the coverage was breathless. Like, this is it. We got him now. And here we are again in this particular moment where we're not even, we're not even talking about, like, Al Capone getting, you know, charged with tax evasion, you know? This is, first of all, paying somebody to keep quiet about your affair so that your wife, your pregnant wife, doesn't find out. Right is not in itself a crime. Right. You know, I mean, that that is so. So what is is, oh, if he had doctored some documents, particularly if there were tax documents right. involved, that's a misdemeanor. This prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, does not go after misdemeanors. So no, the I idea know. the idea is that this is some sort of there was a campaign donation involved and that this is then a campaign finance violation, which, by the way, did not even rise to the level of a federal prosecution, right? So federal prosecutors thought this is not worth our time. And yet Alvin Bragg, who, you know, city violent crime is up. And this is what he, and he doesn't charge, he doesn't go after misdemeanors, right? He goes after who? He goes after the bodega owner, you know, yeah. who, who defended himself. No, that's, and killed, yeah, Alvin, yeah, Alvin Bragg is the other part of this. And I just want to read you the headline. Our, yeah. our listeners will know him probably best as the guy who went after the bodega owner who very clearly on videotape defended himself yeah. against an armed robber. And he was thrown in jail with a bail of 500,000, which then Bragg under pressure relented and let the guy go. But it took a lot of pressure because this is, this is the way he does business. His, his entry into the job only 15 months ago was a set of memos that said, we're not going to, worry about these low-level crimes. Yeah. 
including robbery, assault, and gun possession that he was not going Mm -hmm. to seek jail time for. And that caused an uproar. Everybody pushed back on him. So given those things that we know about Avon Bragg, check out the headline in Politico today. By the book, DA confronts unpredictable opponent in Trump. By the book. By the book. And I believe he's called low-key politics-averse prosecutor. The, yes, the politics of a Soros-funded yeah. <laughs> prosecutor, I mean, that guy? Look, I I don't wow. fault the guy for having politics, right? Like, this is a political game. He's a New York mm-hmm. DA, for goodness sake. He's going to have yes. politics. He's going to be a political creature. What I hate is the press's insistence that every time there's a fight of this nature, that Trump or the right, anyone on sort of vaguely of the right, is a purely political animal engaged in a yeah. political fight and then there's the side of truth and justice. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. It's like, it's, come on, guys. It's Elliot, Elliot Ness and Alvin Bragg. Yes. You know, Adam Schiff, you know. Low-key, uh, politics-averse yeah. prosecutor, just trying to do good yeah. for the they're, people. They're just, af- they're just after the truth here. Yeah. They're just after the truth. Yeah. No, he stands to benefit from this because I can't imagine any of these people, meaning Trump's enemies, actually think, oh, that's it. We got him now. He's going to jail. I do think what they want to do is just embarrass him. Yeah. And they want the photo out there of Trump being indicted and frog-marched or handcuffed. And it's funny. I just read, you know, again, I've been reading Bonfire of the Vanities, and there's the amazing chapter called Styrofoam Peanuts where Sherman McCoy had, you know, he voluntarily goes to be arrested and arraigned in the Bronx. And it is a nightmare. I do not imagine... That's going to happen with Trump in Manhattan. But at the same time, I do know they want to make this into a circus because he stands to get. And I mean, while the rest of us know that this is fairly a ridiculous charge and and a judge can just throw this out saying that it's, you know, on summary judgment saying this is just completely, you know, frivolous for Bragg and for the people who matter to him, which is New Yorkers, right. you know, what next stop could be Gracie Mansion. So that benefits. But again, I, they're not. So I think that's why he's doing it. And they want to see him embarrassed. But I don't think anything can actually come of this except for, you know, a waste of everybody's time. Well, and just galvanizing everybody once again into their. Yeah. And again, this is this is me sort of arguing against interest because I would much. Per, this is putting it mildly to say I would much prefer that we move on from Trump yeah. as a political leader okay. and that having him eliminated from that mm-hmm. theater would in theory work to my advantage, right? That's that's what I would yeah. like. However, however, <laughs> this kind of prosecution isn't fair and it doesn't matter if I don't like the guy. It's just, and it I think it right. does more damage to the fabric of the country to attempt this than to get Trump out of the way, right? And the, the argument from the left and from Bragg would be, well, he's subject to the law just like anyone else. And I'm like, okay, but would you rely on this untested legal theory to go after anyone else? To go after, say, oh, I don't know, Hillary Clinton, right? Like, I'm not sure that that would happen that way. No, that's (laughs) right. The the idea is that, you know, like, he's not above the law. Right. You know, again, if he weren't Trump, would they really be going out of their way right. to say, hey, this is this is going on or any other or even a minor politician? You'd get a slap on the wrist. But they they want this to happen. And I don't think that it's going to have the intended effect. Yeah, I, I think that his followers 
And I know there was only a small gathering yesterday in front of Trump Tower, the protesters. It was a small crowd or in front of the, right. the court, wherever it was. It was a handful of people. Maybe it'll be larger once this thing actually happens, if it does. But, you know, I, I don't think that it just makes him into a martyr. Yes. And he's already up in the polls. And I think we want you wanted to mention this as well. He's back in the spotlight and DeSantis is not. Right. So this sets off a 2024 argument with folks chiming in, including Vivek, who we're going to talk about on the show yes. someday. No, he came he came out it's hard. A great though. Story. Uh, he came out hard though and, and was like, you know, everybody needs to speak up about this and sort of trying to set the bar for the other twenty twenty four candidates on this subject. But here is DeSantis responding. Let me play a little bit of that from he was at an unrelated press conference and had, had this to say. Trump indictment and if you have any role in it, um, if charges are brought on him, will you have any role in extradition to New York? So I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The the Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50 percent of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. I believe that- Did I, I mention they call porn that, star? Yeah, yeah. Did I mention porn star and hush money? I believe they call that- Drawing a contrast is the term that we use for that in political circles. You know, he, do, he does both here. He jabs at Trump and he says, this is a political prosecution, which I, right. you can do both. Right. You know, I'm inclined to like DeSantis. There are many who will be like, oh, low blow. Not the only low blow. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, Mary. Sorry. Catherine. No, I, I, uh, I would say he's right about again, reminding us this happened quite some time ago. So there, there is some sort of statute of limitations, I think, for something that happened, what, six, years Well, yeah, they're sort of finagling that More? by saying how yeah. many days was he in the state versus oh, out of the sake. state. It, oh, it's a it's reach, amazing. man. It is, is a reach. But I, I, do, I did get a kick out of basically DeSantis saying, look, you know, the president is being unfairly treated by this Soros prosecutor who should do, you know, and, and I don't have you know, what did he say? He, I, I don't have all the facts, right, you know, yeah. regarding, you know, what happened to a former president and his affair with the porn star and the hush money while his wife was pregnant. Did I mention that part? Okay. So. Yeah. And I mean, this is the other thing. Trump made his bed here. Yeah. But that doesn't that we also it does not do follow it. that because he did bad stuff that this prosecution makes sense. And there, I, there are some people I really respect who I disagree with on the idea that if it were 
Tom, Dick, or Harry that they would also be prosecuted for this. I don't think that's true. I don't no, think that's I don't true. Think I think, so. think this is a real reach. And unless you were Tom, Dick, or Harry at the January 6th <laughs> event, then then they would yeah. really reach. But I, I just don't think there are many ways in which prosecutions can abuse regular citizens. This particular kind of move seems very calculated specifically to pin a crime on a guy that they've decided is a criminal. Yeah, it shouldn't be taken lightly, the idea of, oh, we're going to indict former president of the United States. Who's running for uh, president. Who's running for president. It has to be, again, as you said, it has to be pretty serious and they better have, you know, their facts straight and it has to be, you know, grave charge, but doesn't sound like it. Yeah. And I think they don't care. Well, and again, I don't, I don't want to be like, I'm the only honest woman in the news conversation, but I, I am mm-hmm. concerned about this mostly for the health of the country. I think it's very yeah. bad no, it's for terrible. the health of our politics and polity mm-hmm. when yeah. stuff like this is not really nailed down. And thus far, on no occasion has it been really nailed down. And I don't... No mean that as a euphemism either. Okay. I want to make one more point about this, what might be this indictment. And that is that, as I said, I've always called it sort of a low level FEC violation. Right. On set at CNN, I pointed out at one point, and again, everyone takes this context to be sort of making apologies for Trump, but it's actually just an attempt to explain like there is context here. And the context was this, that in 2008, the campaign for Barack Obama for president had to pay one of the biggest FEC fines in the history of the United States for having improperly uh, not disclosed or taken in a bunch of shady donations to the tune of $2 million. I believe it was $1.9 million. The fine for that FEC violation, again, one of the largest in history, was $375,000. So many times, the fine for the Obama administration in this same kind of violation was many times the actual violation number in the Trump case, which is $130,000. Again, it's a very tawdry, gross, sexy, well, arguably not very sexy, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what a <goal>. Yes, <laughs> version, sorted. It's sorted. sorted. It's sorted. Version of an yeah. FEC violation. But it matters to me that this is how one is treated and this is how another is treated. That's and right. wouldn't you know it, no one in the studio with me remembered that FEC violation by the Obama administration because, of course, it was a scandal-free eight years in the United States of America. Yeah, nothing happened. <sighs> so maybe they'll get him on a low-level felony, but I think this is... I don't think they will. I mean, I think this is just a yeah. misdemeanor or a finable offense that has been raised to a level that's not it's not going to help anyone except for maybe him it's trumped up so they say by the way avoiding puns on this for all these many years has been very hard and i'm and i'm glad to be able to difficult i mean and i'm glad to be able to do it here (laughs) wow you're on a roll today what are we talking about next oh you want to talk about that press conference oh the press what yes how about that press okay so the press briefing went up went awry this week. Yeah. Well, let me pull up that video. By an unexpected source. Well, maybe expected, but certainly you would think this is something that would involve Fox News, and it didn't. It did not. Okay, so at the press briefing with Corinne Jean-Pierre, who continues to sort of stumble through that job, an African reporter from an outlet in, in Africa spoke up and said, look, I've been... <laughs> he 
he shouts at her or he shouted politely. He used some polite words while he was shouting, but he was definitely raising his voice in the, in the press room to say, look, I've been here for eight months and you haven't called on me. And he says, you've been discriminating against me and discrimination against some people in the briefing. And then other members of the press were like, calm down. You're, you can't do We can't do our jobs if you're, if you're mad about this. But I would say like, if he's been in the room for eight months and hasn't gotten a question, he should, he should complain. Maybe not. Maybe this was the incorrect forum. By the way, while he was having this back and forth with Karine Jean-Pierre, she was flanked by the stars of Ted Lasso, who were there yes. on one of those cutesy White House visits to raise awareness about an important issue about mental mental health and mental illness and, and checking on your friends and getting treatment. But they're all sort of like awkwardly looking around while this is going on. That's the great part is looking at their expressions on their faces while Simon Ateba blew up. So yeah, eight months, assuming he goes to every briefing. Yeah. So that's a lot of briefings not to get called on at least once. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like I guess, I mean, they also have reporters that stand against the wall. Some of those guys get picked on as well, you know, chosen, but him not yet. And yes, I saw Zeke Miller from the Associated Press and a few others apologizing to Karine Jean-Pierre on behalf of the press corps Naturally. for its rude behavior. Oh, come on. This is, this is the thing to me. Yeah. And by the way, she has been really, I think, maybe not unprecedentedly, because I would have to really check that, but really pretty mean to folks in the press corps in, a, in like a oh, very, yeah. in a more dismissive way than you usually see. I was going to say dismissive. Yes, that's the word. Dismissive in a way that you don't usually see from the press secretary who dances and, of course, pushes the lines on truth, but generally will sort of engage in what what what's an attempt to be a polite way. But she kind of yeah. dispenses with that fairly frequently. So the idea that they're apologizing for this guy who, by the way, it sounds like he's complained to them before and they haven't had his back or this hasn't gotten fixed. So I just feel like some leeway for him. Also, it was just a, you know, a fun spectacle. So here's a, here's a little bit of the video from Daily Mail. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. No, that's not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. You've been discriminating against me and discriminating against some people in the briefing and I'm saying that this is the U.S., this is not China, this is not Russia. This is not Russia. It's been seven months. You've not called me. This is not Russia. This is not China. And then you get some screaming from the press corps. Okay. What you are doing, you are making a monthly of the first It's been seven months. You've not called on me. You've not called on me. I'm saying that that's not right. Valentine's welcome, guys. Welcome. Welcome to the press briefing room. I mean... That's that's the thing is like the the lack of finesse in dealing with this. Yeah, it's just she's not great at that job. She sounds like she's you know they're like they're like kids in a classroom. That's how. And she also, we're not doing it, so, this so. would be more powerful if you didn't use it frequently against just regular questions. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that that's right. It, it yeah, she's not she's not a great press secretary, and obviously she was very embarrassed. Because she had the cast and she was hoping everybody would be starstruck. Well, yeah. And, and that's one of those, there, you know, especially a Democratic president. That's the whole A point. Democratic president with some cool stars behind them generally gets the the tongue bath treatment. Right? Yep. Like, <laughs> this is that's... the, the press would be like, oh, my God. 
how cool right, are right. you? You're so cool. Right, that was not what right, happened right. here. Again, I think a little more finesse on her part. And just the, the press so willingly being on her, her side versus... Yeah. <laughs> versus, like... I, I, I You know, it, it makes me think back. Several years ago, I... For the Washington Free Beacon, I profiled John Gizzi, yeah. who is formerly of Human Events, right. White House correspondent, now I think Newsmax. And once we got to a certain part of our interview, we started just talking about past secretary, press secretaries, the best and the worst. And this is before Karine Jean-Pierre. He really, he thought that obviously the best of all the press secretaries was probably Tony Snow, right? Right. The late Tony Snow, who was Bush's press Talk secretary. Talk about finesse. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's great, a former Detroit Free Press guy. I mean, he knows. I mean, and people across the board really, really respected him. But he also liked very much, he liked Josh Ernest. Right. He said Josh Ernest was a nice guy who was, that was Obama's. I'll tell you who was at the, near the bottom was Jay Carney. I was going to say, who was the Time Magazine guy? Yes. Oh, yes. oh, that's exactly who he said. He said, not a nice guy. But anyway, just leave it at that. But then they had they had a meeting. The cast of Ted Lasso had a meeting at the Oval Office. They huh? did. And I saw a picture of this and I wanted to get a little into the, uh, this is going to be a silly topic. This is a, oh, this is etiquette, <laughs> etiquette with Vic and MK. Okay. So three members of the cast, which include Jason Sudeikis, the guy who plays Roy Kent, whose name I yes, can't remember right great. at the second, the woman who plays the manager of, or the um, owner the and manager owner. Yep. of the, the team, and then two of the soccer players. Three of the five cast members have tennis shoes on in the Oval Office in a picture. Right. How do okay. we feel about this? Well... I, you have to go back to Jimmy Carter and wearing the jeans, right? That was the big shocking right. thing. Now, as a guest, obviously, I would be wearing a suit. Were the, it, it seems to me, when I, especially Jason Sudeikis, who's wearing his trademark Ted Lasso sweater, yes. did they come into the well, Oval Office in character? That's the question. Okay, so maybe this is an etiquette loophole, right? Yes. Because they do seem yes. to be dressed in character. Brett Goldstein is Roy Kent. Brett Goldstein is yes. the only one who's dressed a little fancier of the ones who are play who portrayed coaches or players. Hannah Waddingham, who plays the owner, the very glamorous owner, is glamorous yes. as she, she always is. Tall. She's a fantastic dresser and <laughs> looks always looks amazing. And the others, like Roy Kent, does seem to look mm -hmm. Roy Kent-ish, and Ted Lasso yes. looks Ted Lasso, right? So maybe that right. was what they were doing, right? Because he had the mustache, he had the whole thing. Yeah, going, but I right? do, I do think. Like I, I've been to the White House several times, and sure. I always put on heels because that is, I got, <laughs> I got to dress in heels because you don't. Yeah. I mean, we used to do. My father used to say at the at the dining table if we were having bad manners, would you do that at the White House? That was the question. Was uh, that, that's how we would. The answer now is yes. The answer now is I guess yes. So, but, but with our lowered with our lowered standards, I mean, it could have been worse. Mary Catherine could have been sneakers with cleats. Well. That would have been I awkward. believe there was some uproar a couple of years ago, and I think it was a women's lacrosse team, possibly, that came to the Oval Office during the Obama oh. years, maybe, and some of them were wearing flip-flops. I also think that's a problem. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. Sandals is one thing. I still would, I wouldn't even do sandals, but, oh my God, it's a soft I'm rug. such a fogey these days. Now, do you know what I, I remember? <laughs> I remember when Michael Jackson visited Reagan at the White House, he wore his sergeant pepper's uniform oh really it's you know it's like if i were reagan i'd be okay tell me what each of these medals yes yes stands for i want to know where, where did you win the, where did you earn this one you know 
I mean, I do think, yeah, who was it? Northwestern University's women lacrosse players wore flip-flops to meet the president in 2005 with Bush. Now, a lot of them are wearing heeled sandals, but a lot of them are wearing legit flops. (laughs) Yeah. And I would, I would not. I would not. No. Well, we're classy. We are, we are definitely classy. We are classy. We're definitely classy. classy. I do think we, we have come to a new era where there are some tennis shoes that are considered basically formal because if you pair them with other things and they are expensive tennis shoes, Mm -hmm. which many are now, that's Mm -hmm. sort of a formal shoe at this point. I have a pair of my Jordans now I think are considered quite quite fancy. I'm actually just afraid to wear them on regular days. So... It is. It's. It's. It's one of. It's one of these awkward things. You know. I mean. You know. Is there an official dress code that you must wear, and they won't let you in? Yeah. I mean, certainly in the White House, they make exceptions, and the president sort of dictates that. I think it was much more casual during the Clinton year. Oh, during the Clinton years, it was very casual. You have to have your pants zipped. But the. You know. But then. You know. Uh, in, in, with other presidencies, it's. 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 It's coat, coat and tie, which I believe it should be. But it's. It's the same challenge they have at very fancy restaurants where you want to have people looking sharp, but if you're famous enough, yeah. well, if you're Jason Sudeikis, you can make an exception. And the same thing, I, I remember talking to Michelle Richard about this at Citronelle, where you know they used to have a dress code, and then Steve Case from AO- AOL back in the day would show up. And you remember, he wore denim yeah. everywhere. He was like the denim guy, you know? So well, I mean, that was kind of awkward. you have a brand, right? Like, I... I yeah, ended up being yeah, like that's the law. I ended up being the mm-hmm. weird, you know, blogger kid in politics mm-hmm. for a long time. Now I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a very old mm-hmm. adult. But but I did take advantage of that brand and it was like I can go a little more casual because I'm the internet chick. Like this is not I'm not that's a you. serious person. That was that, that was that that was your look at the time, you know, <laughs> many many years ago. But I do I when the White House calls yeah. you put on your nice clothes. So. Yes, I, I did a I did a West Wing tour, and I think we we got dressed up for that. Yeah, I think you know. But anyway, okay. Do you have any March Madness thoughts? I Are mean, you happy? Oh, you're Duke lost. Yes, they won the first round, and I had predicted they were going to lose in the first round, and I was wrong about that. But they lost in the second. Yeah, I mean, it, it, not a it's a building year, I think for for Duke and Duke <laughs> and UNC, quite obviously. Sure. Uh, for oh UNC. yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't follow basketball as closely as I used to. It's always fun to see a couple upsets during the beginning of the tournament. Yes. I don't have a ton of thoughts, except that it's interesting that the pool left does not have a lot of recent or ever champions. So it's Mm -hmm. nice to see new programs get in there and do some exciting. I think Michigan has won one in the last, you know, several decades. And one other that's left has won one. Yeah. Um, Michigan State. Tom is a Michigan State. He is such a great. He's still in it. I love that guy. Uh, the Michigan, the Michigan pool. State people are going to be so mad at me. Sorry, guys. Uh, I, I, I get that one mixed up. I'm in a, out of 32. I'm currently in sixth place, but oh, I did bad. get yes. I, I correctly picked Furman over UVA, and that was just oh, by a basket. Well done. And it really, a, a weird ending. And I always, I'm a firm believer in the 12-5 upset. There has to be at least one. This year, all the fives won, yep. so I couldn't believe that, including I I was so close with Drake almost beating, I guess, Miami, but that didn't happen. So that is going on in the tournament, and I would say also for me, the big thing is outside of the tournament, which is where Georgetown mm-hmm. is and where I believe one of our listeners was teasing us about this, but Georgetown finally got rid of Patrick Ewing and they hired Ed Cooley from Providence, okay. who is a really good guy. It's kind of an inside pick. Some people were hoping they'd get Patino, but... 
There's a little bit of issues there, as you can imagine, with Rick Pitino and his 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 past. A bit. But a bit, a bit. So not so with Ed Cooley. So I'm hoping for big things, and 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 I hope the kids stop stop going into the transfer portal. Everyone, I know. Everyone right? is no, leaving. Everyone's going to the transfer the, portal. Stop. The train has left the station on that. By the way, the yeah. the Michigan State, <laughs> UConn, UCLA, and Arkansas, yes, are are left, and Michigan State and UConn are the ones who have won in the past quarter okay. century. Okay, so interesting right. to see some new folks in there. My, I remember when, Ar- remember when yeah. Arkansas was a, a bear in, uh, oh, absolutely. in college absolutely. basketball. I remember yeah, yeah, facing yeah, yeah, them yeah. back in the yeah, day. Yeah, they had a great coach, too. I I have Alabama winning the whole thing. Boo. Uh, I had, I had, no, sorry. I picked them without even realizing there's this whole controversy Ooh, because yes. there was a, a, a murder. I... I I said it's a, it's, a, it's a literal murderer's row. But no, we don't know that. Nothing's been proven. The one player gave the gun, didn't yes. realize the gun was being used to kill. I don't know. It's a lot. It happened in Tuscaloosa. It's a, it's, 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 it's a whole escanalo. Yes. Yeah, no, and yeah, someone yeah, is yeah, someone is. is dead. I mean, that's, that's a legit Yeah, it's terrible. Thing. No, it really is terrible. Should we okay. close it out for today? That's it. That's, okay. that, 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 that's it today. More news to come in the next couple of days. In the meantime, that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm MK Hammer on Twitter, MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly here with us. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.